listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. We've got a resilient team. We've got a lot of guys stepping up, playing really good hockey. You know, we got uh, everybody going right now, which is which is good. That's the way we got to play. And Marky's been himself. He's been red hot for us. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a great response these last three games. Yeah, you can make it three straight wins for the Calgary Flames. The dad's trip a success. And the team has rebounded after disappointing losses to the Philadelphia Flyers and the Chicago Blackhawks just in time for a six-game homestand at the Scotiabank Saddledome. Welcome into another edition of Sportsnet Today. Happy Monday. It's Logan Gordon along with you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. For our friends at Doug Lacey's Basement Systems, Crack Foundation, Boeing Foundation Walls, they have a simple permanent solution to stabilize your foundation. Contact Basement Systems. They're all things basement-y. Visit dlbasementsystems.com. We've got lots to get to on the program today. We will hear from the Calgary Flames who have returned home to get set for the Arizona Coyotes on Tuesday, the first of six straight at the Scotiabank Saddledome. So we'll hear from head coach Ryan Huska, Blake Coleman, and Mackenzie Weger. As the team finished off a road heavy beginning of January with wins in Arizona and Las Vegas on Saturday. I can also tell you that Blake Coleman was named the NHL second star of the week for his great performance. He stays red hot for the Calgary Flames, so we'll dive into all things Flames coming up shortly. We'll also chat uh, about the road trip and Get some perspective on the dad's trip from our pal Brennan Parker from Calgary Flames TV. He was, of course, along with the team on that trip and had some great stories, had some great stuff on social media over the last couple of days, some great insight from Parks on just how cool the dad trip was for everybody. So we'll recap the road trip and look at some special moments with Brennan Parker in hour two. A little bit later on this hour, Wild Card Weekend comes to a close on this Monday with matchups in snowy Buffalo and warm Tampa Bay. Steelers, Bills, Eagles, Bucks still to come, but we'll recap what we saw over the weekend in the NFL with our pal Emily Sadler from Sportsnet.cn. A quick reminder, the fan feedback line always open to you here on the program. would love to hear from you if you're listening live. Choose to text at 960-960. If you can't catch us live, reminder... You can always hit us up on the podcast, Google, Amazon, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher. Let's talk about the Calgary Flames. What a way to finish off the dad's trip. They head to Vegas, take down the Golden Knights 3-1 on Saturday. Another sterling performance from Jacob Markstrom, who appears to be all the way back to the Vesna caliber form we saw two seasons ago. Blake Coleman stays red hot. He has a goal and an assist in the victory over Vegas. And the vibes were great from the dads. It was so cool to see. We talked about it a bit with head coach Ryan Huska and the group as this team set out for their final two road games of January because the dads were in town for that game Tuesday last week against the Ottawa Senators. And 
Husk talked about there can just be this different energy and it can help the guys out of the grinding portion of the season to have the dads around. And it definitely took shape that way for this road trip. The vibes were great. The had the high five tunnel coming out of the wind in Arizona. The camera panned over to the booth or to the suite, I should say, every time another Flames goal went in. And uh, the team, as you heard from Blake Coleman in the intro, just feeling good about themselves right now. And, and why not? They've only lost two games in the month of January. Yes, that tough loss to Chicago uh, last Sunday is still one that looms large, but this group has scored six goals three times in the month of January. They've picked up five wins out of a possible seven games and now enter the rest of the month able to get comfy and get ready for some home cooking. It won't be easy. They have a rematch against Arizona on Tuesday. The Toronto Maple Leafs are into town this week. They have a Battle of Alberta on Saturday before St. Louis, Columbus, and Chicago next week. But for a team that's looking to find their footing, looking to figure out just where they stand in the whole playoff picture of the Western Conference, last week gave you a lot of good vibes for this team. And as we sit here today, on this Monday, the Calgary Flames now ahead of the Minnesota Wild, ahead of the Arizona Coyotes, and ahead of the St. Louis Blues when it comes to chasing down a wild card spot. The Edmonton Oilers currently hold that last wildcard spot in the West with 47 points in 39 games. So the Flames, while two points back of Edmonton, do have four more games played than their Alberta rival, but they've whittled down the list of teams in between them and that wildcard spot. Now just Seattle, who is two points up on Calgary as well with one less game played in between the Flames and that wildcard spot. And we talked about that so much last week about this is the time for the Calgary Flames. Now two games above 500 after a very successful last three games is you can't keep battling the 500 mark. If this is going to be real for the Calgary Flames, the next couple games this week are going to be important for them not to fall back down after getting up against this 500 mark because we talked about uh, the more that you're fighting 500, the less that you're fighting actually getting into a playoff spot. And the more teams that get ahead of you, the harder the grind is. And the Calgary Flames have, thanks to a couple of key wins against teams that they're chasing, like Arizona on Thursday, have managed to whittle that list down a bit and have made things interesting. That won't sit well with some who believe that this team should go in another direction. And I'm not going to tell you how to feel about it, but you can't deny the results that have been very good for this team lately. And if you're somebody that's feeling good about this group and feels like maybe the youth movement and uh, a rock solid Jacob Markstrom bounce back season has you feeling good and has you feeling like maybe this team could make a surprise run to the postseason I'm not going to tell you that's out of the question or that you shouldn't feel that way this team has given you plenty of reasons to believe especially over the last week as they are on a three game winning streak let's check in with the Calgary Flames on this Monday they're back in town back out of the warm weather of uh, the southern United States but 
feeling good about themselves, feeling happy with the results of the dad's trip and ready to bring some of that momentum back to home ice. Let's check in with the head coach, Ryan Huska. You hear from the Calgary Flames first right here on Sportsnet today. We bring you the latest from the Flames locker room today, starting it off with the head coach, his thoughts on the road trip and what he expects from his group as they enter the next six on home ice at the Scotiabank Saddledome. We did see Jacob Markstrom leave practice early. Uh, yeah. What's going on there? He got what he needed today, and then it was just a maintenance thing for him. Yeah. How, uh, how are you feeling overall about the team's name coming off this really tough seven-game stretch? I, I thought we did a lot of good things over that, that period. I mean, if you look at the, the Vegas game, that's one where you could say we relied on Jacob. We felt too much in that game. Um, but there was a lot of things that we did well. Uh, you know, we guys would point to the Chicago game for sure, but how they rebounded after that is one more of a, for me, a telling story as to how the guys approached their business over the last three in particular. So we were, we're pleased with the direction that they took this last mini road trip, if you want to call it. How, how big an injection was having all the mentors in there? Yeah, I, I'd say it was big. Like, the, they brought a different energy level with them. Like, I know the dads are there, and um, they're there for a, a good time and to watch their boys play, but there is such a level of excitement um, from the dads to their sons. Like, and then sons to dads, when they get to see that, hey, my dad gets to experience what we travel like and live like on the road. Um, so you see both sides of the equation when I sit back and watch. It was a neat experience for all of them, and I love the energy that the veterans brought to the table, for sure. Since you swapped Magafani and Huberto, is this the best the top nine has been as a group? Uh, probably. I mean, we're, we're getting contributions from all three, and that's, that's important for us. Um, if you want to say the fourth line you know now it's you find that identity consistently and then we we really like with where we're at but the hard part is you you can do it for a few games but how can you do it consistently and that's really the push right now is find a way to make sure that um, we're better tomorrow than we were today so yes i would say to answer your question we are this is the best we've looked as a top nine i know there are ebbs and flows in a season, but earlier in the year, you guys were not starting games the way you wanted to. And right now, it seems like you guys are coming out of the gate flying. Um, changed, I guess. Not much, you know. And people say you're not starting games the way you want to because we give up the fourth goal. But that doesn't mean we're not playing the right way to start a game. You know, it, the other teams are are good teams too. So that's sometimes that can be frustrating. If we came out and we were terrible out of the gate, different story. But in a lot of those games that we were giving up the first goal, we didn't get off to bad starts. There's a mistake that gets made somewhere along the line. Um, the last few games, um, I feel like the the guys have prepared themselves the same way. But we've what we've done is, besides scoring first, is we push for the next one too. So that that's something where we're able to keep momentum on our side. The last two games in particular, so that's a that's a positive thing for sure. What does this say about Markstrom when, in the waning seconds of the game versus Vegas, he doesn't have a glove and yeah. he's fighting through that? Yeah, I, I well, as a coach, you're a little bit worried when you see that. Um, you know, but the, with that play too, the one guy that blocks the key shot that probably Marky would have tried to make with his bare hands, Chris. So, I mean, that's that's what it's all about now is you have people that are doing whatever they have to do to try to win games. And I think we're slowly getting to that point where everybody's starting to believe in that. 
Is that like a function of teen chemistry? Like, what, yep. what, how does that, that equation work? I think, I, I do think it's part of it for sure. I, I think it's guys understanding that there's certain things that are uncomfortable that you have to do to win games. The shot blocking we've seen from our team this year has been significantly different than in the past. Uh, and that's just an example of it. But those are things that allow you to win hockey games. Ryan, Blake Coleman, NHL second yeah. star of the week. I know it's about more than goals and points, but they're 43 games in, three goals away from equaling his career by one point. If you could just talk about his overall game and, and what he's yeah. brought to your team this year. He's, he's been excellent. You know, we've, we've talked about him a, a fair bit this year. Um, I, I think the, the break for him over the summer was a really good thing. He allows his body to heal up a little bit more, and he was able to spend a little bit more time um, in the gym getting himself ready to go. And then he, uh, you know, when he, he came back, he, he wasn't feeling great yet, but he stuck with it. And I, I think when you go back to some conversations that we had over the summer, he, he feels and he felt that there's more offensively from him um, that he could bring to the table. And it hasn't really been there like he wanted it to be the last couple of years. So he's found some chemistry with the guys he's played with. He's going to the net hard. And when you look at all of his goals, they're right around the net front. And that's Blake Coleman. He's, he's got that... You know, he's one of those guys that you win with. I mean, he's won two Stanley Cups. He was a big reason why. So he knows where to go, and he comes to play in the big moments, and that's important for our younger guys to see that for sure. Just to follow up on that, talking to Michael Backlund, as we mentioned the two Cups, obviously, but he's a guy who has been there twice but comes to the rink every day with the same drive that he had before he even got that first one. And yeah. he says that that's rubbing off on the room. Do you see that sort of hunger as well? I do. Um, he, he doesn't. He's another guy that doesn't have a bad day. Like it, it's pretty neat to watch him, how he goes about his business. He's, he comes in and he's the same. You know, He doesn't ride the wave of ups and downs like some guys do. They just, whether it's they don't really understand yet how to do that or it just came naturally to, to Blake, he doesn't ride the wave. So if there's a tough night, he moves on pretty quick. If there's a great night, he moves on pretty quick. And I think that's what has allowed him to have a lot of success so far this year. There you go. That's the head coach of the Calgary Flames, Ryan Huska, checking in on a practice day for the Calgary Flames. And yes, you hear at the beginning there, uh, Danny Austin from Post Media asking uh, about Jacob Markstrom, who was just out for a short period of practice today. Uh, just a maintenance thing. No worries there. Just trying to ease the load for the Flames starting goaltender. That's been a big talking point for the Flames and the goaltending department this year is to ease the load on Jacob as much as possible. So just a maintenance day for him as they get set for this six-game homestand. And yes, lots of talk, deservedly so, about Blake Coleman and the outstanding week that he had. Seven points in three games for Blake Coleman. We've talked about him all season long. Still mind-blowing to me, and I think many Flames fans, that he's not the all-star representative for this team, and that's not a shot at Elias Lindholm whatsoever, who's been an all-star caliber player at different times in his career, but Blake Coleman, 37 points in, in 43 games this year as a third-line guy for this team who plays important minutes on the penalty kill, is not a power play guy for this team. And you heard from the head coach, you know, really hasn't had a chance to fully rest and recover the last couple of summers and now took advantage of that and wanted to put more of the offensive onus on his shoulders knowing that they lost a guy like Tyler Toffoli. Well, he had 18 goals last season, as a member of the Calgary Flames, he's already up to 19 this season. He's going to blow past any of his best career numbers. Um, 38 points last year was his career high. He's already at 37. He's plus 23 on the year, averaging 16.44 of ice time. 
Uh, the guy's been everything and more that the Calgary Flames have asked of him, and uh, very deservedly so to be the second star of the week in the NHL and probably could have been um, at different points this year, but I don't know that uh, Blake Coleman gets the recognition uh, league-wide as maybe he deserves and, and maybe the recognition that he's getting here in Calgary. Speaking of Blake Coleman, the Texas Tiger, uh, as dubbed by his dad on the uh, on the dad's trip, uh, stayed red hot. It was a big part of their win against the Vegas Golden Knights, and he also checked in with the media following uh, practice day on Monday at the Flames get set for a long homestand of the Saddle Dome. Are you in the morning after uh, yesterday's debacle? I'm sorry to tweet. Felt good pretty hurt. Just, yeah, it's frustrating, you know? Um, yeah, I guess I can, I know how fans feel now when we lose, but um, yeah, it's uh, another year, same story. So I got nothing much to say on it other than that. going to say you just ever got to the throw a remote control. No, I got a brother-in-law like that. I think he seventeen nothing. He took off from where he was watching the game, so I stuck it out at least. I gave him uh, the full game, but um, a little more composure. Is it worse that Houston won this weekend? No, I think I kind of root for Texas in general, but um, I don't really see them as like rivals or anything like that. So, with uh, Philly wins, yeah, Philly wouldn't. I wouldn't like that too much. Um, I got a slight allegiance to Tampa, I guess from. <laughs> they won. They won when I was down there, so I got to be part of that. So, um, anyway, about a month ago, I asked you about leading this team and scoring, and you were like, "I don't know why anyone's surprised." Are you now exceeding your own expectations? I will bet. Um, I don't know. I just I haven't really kind of zoomed zoomed out. I'm just kind of one day at a time right now, and you know things things have been you know going in, which is nice, but. Uh, you know, I just want to make sure I stay focused on just making sure my game is where I want it to be. And um, confidence in general is, is a big thing in this league. And, you know, that's why guys go on, there's a lot of guys that go on streaks. You know, they score a lot and things feel good. And that's why guys have career years and, and things like that. You know, I think um, the more confidence you have in just your all-around game, the more likely you are to keep things like this going. And, um, you know, and it, and it certainly helps that, our team's playing well. Everybody's playing well. So, um, you know, it's not just me going. We got a lot of guys that are really producing and playing good hockey for us right now. And um, that's that's what we've always said all year. That's going to be our recipe to win. And uh, that's why we haven't won. Well, I know you've spent some time on our play in the past, but what does that uh, responsibility mean to you? And just the idea of, um, you know, being part of a group that's really starting to seem like they're, you know, you're building something on both units right now. Yeah, it's nice. It's nice to get that. Uh, that bump and be acknowledged uh, to go out there and play on the power play. And, um, you know, I've had some experience with it in the past, but um, for whatever reasons, I just haven't had much time on it here in Calgary. And, um, you know, it's nice to be back in that position and be trusted with that role. And, you know, power plays can make or break games for your team. So anything that I can add in value, um, whether it's something as simple as puck retrievals or, or just, uh, you know, being hard on pucks in the zone to, to make sure we keep possession, um, I think things like that can go a long way. So, um, yeah, I feel, feel like we've been getting better and better, and, and we need to continue to improve to keep winning games. When you're on the power play, are you reading defenses differently just because of your profici proficiency, pardon me, on the penalty kill? You see things, I think, um, you know, I think you just, you're used to what works against you on a kill, and, um, yeah, it certainly helps to have both sides of that, that acumen, I think. Um, 
you know, when you're playing guys or have played with guys uh, who have elite skill and make certain plays, you kind of learn off that. And um, I know it's beaten me in the past. So uh, if I can help, you know, talk through it with guys, which is, you know, a, a positive, I think guys are open to communicating with each other and trying to find what works. So uh, we've taken a little bit of that. And, and uh, you know, like I said, things are starting to get better and better. Do you need a season he has just kept coming back? It was like third period, come back, up third period, come back. And he doesn't say, like, yeah, it's not really what we want, though. And now it feels like he hasn't getting off to these really, really strong starts. Like, uh, what's, what's changed there? Nothing. Uh, <laughs> it's just a matter of time. I, it's, I think I said it back then, too. It's a long year. At some point, we were going to start scoring first. And, you know, it was nice to know that we have it in our back pocket now that we can come back in games. But uh, it wasn't the recipe for long-term success. And... Uh, you look at, especially on the road, you look at the wins we've had recently and it's been great starts and, and being able to keep, you know, keep teams down and not uh, let them back into games. So um, nothing specifically changes, just better starts. And I guess you could chalk it up on the last trip to the dads, but uh, <laughs> I think uh, even the trip before that, you know, the first two wins on that trip were great starts as well. So, um, you know, we're making strides and, and those improvements are neither. Do you, or you feel like that that the team understands this formula of how you've got to win now, maybe more than in uh, the previous uh, few weeks of the season? I just think, yeah, the urgency's been great. I think, you know, there's no, we never panicked in this room. It's just at some point you got to start going on a run. And, um, you know, we've set ourselves up with a really great opportunity to do that with six home games in a row going into a break. And, um, you know, it falls on us. We got to take advantage of this. Um, don't let that road trip go to waste. And I think now that you're past the midway point, I think it kind of clicks in your head. All right, there's there's not much time to keep playing this uh, up and down game, and we gotta we gotta find ways to just keep pushing forward. A few days ago, Ryan Huska mentioned uh, a phone call he had with Jacob Markstrom to check with him in the summer, and he remarked at how edgy he was and how he looked back at last year and he took accountability for everything. And Ryan had mentioned that he's not surprised that he's kind of come into this year as a different person. I was just curious if you remember. The first time you would see Jacob at training camp after everything that happened last year, if you remark that he's been different, or what have been your impressions of Jacob just as a personality after having been injured last year? Well, I think we all know how competitive he is. Um, I think he might have had a record breaking sticks over crossbars last year because he wants to win, he wants to compete. That's who he is. Um, but I think he's just come in a lot calmer this year, and he. Uh, his composure is kind of, you know, I talked about it a little bit, but it's gone through the room. And, and when he's playing that composed game, and he looks so confident back there, and um, you don't really see him get rattled like he did last year. And um, I think it's, you know, it's a big, big part of why he's playing so well. He's so dialed in every night. You can see he's tracking the puck well. He feels good. Um, I don't know if it's, it's the whole dad thing, and he's. You know, I know for me that was a big part of, even now, I, I, there's just a lot more to life than the game, and um, sometimes that takes a little bit of that pressure off you, and you don't, you don't, uh, you know, worry as much about making mistakes, and, and that's when you're at your best, so uh, I could speak on that personally, I can't say that for him, but um, certainly looks like he's in a really great place. There you go, Blake Coleman, the NHL second star of the week, and very deserving uh, of that accolade. He's been phenomenal for the Calgary Flames on that line. With Michael Backlund, they've had Jonathan Huberto there at times, and uh, of late, number 88, Andrew Mangiapane fitting in quite nicely as well. They remain together at practice on Monday as the Flames get set to welcome in 
the Arizona Coyotes. It is Sportsnet today. It's Logan Gordon along with you. We do have some NHL action underway on this Monday. It is Martin Luther King Day uh, with our friends uh, down in the United States. So they are uh, hockey on pretty much all day long. I can get you some of the latest right now. One game's already gone final. The Sabres shut up the San Jose Sharks this afternoon. Right now across the Sportsnet television network, you can check out the Bruins and the Devils. They're in the third period. Boston with a 2-0 lead. David Pasternak with his 26th of the year, doubling that lead for Boston. Uh, Canucks and Blue Jackets surprisingly tied at three late in the uh, third period. Elias Pettersson's 23rd of the season for Vancouver, uh, but the Blue Jackets battling back in that one. High-scoring game in Florida between the Panthers and the Ducks. That one is tied at four apiece. Six minutes left to go in the third period. couple goals for former Flames Sam Bennett. And the Pittsburgh Penguins have a 2-0 lead over the Seattle Kraken with about five minutes left to go in period number three. Sidney Crosby, his 25th goal of the season, gave the Pens that 2-0 lead. Still to come tonight, Sportsnet 1. Going to have the Kings and the Hurricanes coming up in just a little bit. We've got the Islanders and the Wild. Predators and the Golden Knights. The Avs and Habs will be on uh, Sportsnet at 5 o'clock. And your last game of the night, the Flyers are in St. Louis getting set to take on the Blues. Of course, the Calgary Flames, they're back in action on Tuesday. Welcoming the Arizona Coyotes for the first of six. It's a 7 o'clock puck drop. That means Pat Steinberg will have your Flames warm up at 6 o'clock. Derek Wills and Megan Mickelson will have Flames hockey at 7 right here when you're home of the Flames. Sportsnet 960, the fan. We'll take a break. We'll come back. Uh, switching the focus over to football as we've got a couple of NFL games to wrap up Wild Card Weekend, including the uh, previously scheduled Bills and Steelers matchup that's happening this afternoon. And then later tonight, it's the Eagles and the Bucks. But we have four games to go through with our pal Emily Sadler from Sportsnet.ca. She's going to join us next, and we'll jump back on the Calgary Flames in hour two. And Brendan Parker from Flames TV stops by to recap the road trip and the dad trip for us. Uh, lots to come. Stick around with us. Glad you're along for the ride. It's Sportsnet today, and it's live here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Well, we should have five games in the books to talk about with our next guest, Emily Sadler from Sportsnet. But thanks to snow in the Buffalo area, they've pushed back the Steelers and the Bills to this Monday afternoon. We still got four games to go through and two to look ahead to, so timing still works out okay. It is uh, Monday. It's Sportsnet Today. Logan Gordon along with you and joining us to chat all things NFL. Her wildcard weekend takeaways available at sportsnet.ca. It's our pal Emily Sadler joining us down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Emily, happy Monday. How are you? Happy Monday. I'm good, Logan. How are you doing? I'm doing really good, thank you. Um, Like I said, we would normally have five games to talk about, but uh, the issues with the weather in Buffalo have pushed things back. So we'll only have four to get, uh, get ready for, uh, to talk about, I guess from the weekend, but, uh, early pictures out of Buffalo doesn't look like it's going to be uh, much better for that game between the Steelers and the bills. No, I was, uh, just scrolling through the timeline earlier today, looking at all of the, you know, fans shoveling the stands and just like, you know, the updates of, Hey, we can actually see the field now. So it will definitely be interesting to see, the weather plays into this one uh so we'll check in with that one coming up in just a little bit but let's uh let's go back to the weekend let's start on saturday and you and me spent a lot of time this year during our chats talking about cj stroud and 
the Houston Texans and how CJ was sort of denying all these rookie narratives about what a, a first-year quarterback could and couldn't do. And I, I guess we really shouldn't be surprised, given how much he accomplished during the season, that his first playoff appearance was a successful one as they downed the Browns on Saturday afternoon. Yeah, I think that one, when I was kind of looking over, you know, all four of the games, and it was it wasn't the wildest weekend of football, but we had some wild outcomes, and to me, that's one of them. And it's not so much the fact that C.J. Stroud and the Texans won. I mean, we know the Browns were vulnerable, at least, you know, just through all of the injuries that they've had. Um, but it was just how they won that was really surprising to me. You know, obviously, such a lopsided score. And it really just sort of turned some of the narratives about the Browns on its head, right? We we went into this thinking the Browns have this fearful, fearsome defense. The front four is just kind of unstoppable. And C.J. Stroud, he didn't really miss a step. He's had a historic regular season. And to see him have an equally historic playoff uh, debut, which is really incredible to see. And it was truly like, I know it's cliche to be a true team effort, but we saw it on both sides of the ball with the Texans. Like it was, of course, the CJ Stroud show, but then it was also just the way the defense stepped up against a Cleveland Browns, a Cleveland Browns offense that has been, you know, pretty strong through the air with Joe Flacco. They just totally shut down everything that the Browns tried. And so that was really, really impressive. Yeah, it feels like we should be talking about the the Texans more than the Browns, and given the the fact that you know this team's come a very long way in a very short time. Uh, you know, you mentioned it one year ago. Uh, the Texans were three thirteen and one, and here they are this year with a, a playoff victory under their belt. And D'Amico Ryan's probably deserves a lot of credit for building this team out as a whole. We right, we talk about C.J. Stroud a lot, but that whole team's come a long way. Yeah, they really have, and I think. There's such a, a valuable, there's a valuable lesson there in just like just learning throughout the season, right? Like we so yeah. often, as we've talked about on the show, like the early season, we kind of come up with these, we try to label each team and who's a contender and who's not, who should be there, who shouldn't. And the Texans have really, um, they've they've made us kind of rethink those kinds of narratives, and they're they're really fun to watch. I was very impressed with um, just how they learned from from the last time they played the Browns, right? That was kind of an interesting case. They, these teams faced each other in week 16, so that wasn't too long ago. But, you know, the Browns didn't really maybe get a great sense of what they could expect from Houston's offense in that one just because, you know, C.J. Stroud was out. They had some other injuries on offense there. But for the Texans, they really got a heavy dose of what kind of passing attacks the Browns can bring. And we saw them really learn from that. You know, Derek Stingley Jr., he's, a second-year player, cornerback, and the way that he shut down Amari Cooper was just outstanding, right? And just to essentially take him out of the game, take the Browns' strongest weapon out of the game, that really speaks to, you know, D'Amico Ryans, how he has turned this team around. He's such a great defensive mind and how he's really taken that mindset of, okay, like let's learn from each and every outing, and they've just really encompassed that. So it makes them a really fun team to watch. Also on Saturday, we had uh, Tyreek Hill's return to Kansas City, and uh, it was one of the coldest games in, in NFL playoff history. Uh, although if you were watching in Calgary, you probably didn't feel too bad for uh, fans <laughs> in Kansas City. It was pretty cold here over the weekend uh, as well, so we could relate to what was going on. But uh, that's certainly a tough environment for a team like Miami who plays you know, most of the season in warm weather scenarios to 
to run into it. And, and Tua and that offense certainly struggled down the stretch and just weren't able to, to take advantage of any of those playmakers. And look, lots of injuries for the Dolphins heading into this one. I don't want to leave that out of it, but they really didn't seem like they got much going in that game against KC. Yeah, you're right. They were just kind of disjointed the whole time. And like, not to steal the obvious storyline, but like they looked cold. Yeah. <laughs> they just looked uncomfortable the whole time. Um, I I know, yeah, seeing the sort of sort of in the pregame there, seeing the clip of uh, Tyreek Hill, no sleeves, looks over at a teammate or a staff member, and he's like, get me a jacket. Like, it was, <laughs> that sort of felt like um, just a really good example of like, all right, it's, it's really, really cool. Um, and I think I, I was sort of wondering about this game, just in terms of like who this game benefits or sorry, who the, the weather kind of would benefit. And obviously the Chiefs, you know, they have the advantage, the Dolphins, um, they have a long history of losing in cold weather games. But at the same time, in terms of like style of play, I was kind of expecting more from Miami. And I almost wondered if maybe those freezing cold temperatures could actually play to the Dolphins' favor, just in terms of like they have the best um, rushing attack in the league in the regular season. And so I really expected them to run the ball more. So I was surprised to see that they just couldn't really get anything going. And I know that you know, I should be heaping praise on the Chiefs' defense um, more than I am here. But that was sort of one surprising outcome of that, just that, you know, we've we've watched Miami have this fairly dynamic offense almost all season, and they just really couldn't get anything going. To see them only score seven points was um, probably one of the biggest surprises of what was quite a surprising weekend. Yeah, and it's interesting now, you know, they hold a very long uh, playoff drought themselves year 2000 the last time they won a playoff game and whenever you're in one of those streaks of course anytime that continues questions start to come up about how to fix that and uh, Tua Vailoa is heading into the last year of his rookie contract they picked up the fifth year option and I've been kind of surprised how much of the narrative around this Dolphins team after this loss Emily has been about okay are they going to commit to Tua are they not going to commit to Tua this is one of those teams that struggled to find a quarterback since Dan Marino left in Miami. I'm, I'm not going to say the tool was great on Saturday by any means, but it seems pretty cut and dry to me that they should probably keep him around and try to keep building what they've started in Miami. Do you feel any differently than that after Saturday's game? Yeah, I, I agree with your thinking there. I mean, we've seen probably this season more than most how hard it is to get a starting quarterback and how difficult it is to, to deal with, um, you know, not having your guy. And I think Tua has done more than enough this season to earn that chance to, to be the guy going forward in Miami. Um, You know, he's, I think also when you compare this season to last, I know last season was, you know, unfortunately all about injuries and stuff like that. And I think just to see him, you know, go through an entire regular season, healthy and to really like he made changes to his body he made changes to the way that he moves and and I think he is kind of the the perfect um quarterback for this offense this fast-paced offense that Mike McDaniel wants to run and and I don't think that we can we should be overreacting to you know one one playoff loss here just you know in terms of I think he's done more than enough to to say hey I am the guy this wasn't my game, but I think he deserved another chance for sure. 
do the Chiefs kind of feel like it was with the Patriots a couple years ago where no matter the circumstances, it's kind of hard to to bet against them if Patrick Mahomes is under center? Um, yes. <laughs> like, yes. I hate saying that as a Chargers <laughs> fan, but I kind of I kind of feel that way now. I I agree. Like they as we know, their offense has been not the best this regular season and yet here they go and it's not like this was you know some outstanding amazing incredible offensive effort it really was the defense that truly truly stepped up but yeah I mean I think that sort of we we kind of saw this weekend two interesting cases of like you know we saw the team playing with house money no expectations and then we saw the value also in Kansas City of just having that experience and knowing that like when it really counts you're going to step up and we saw that from Patrick Mahomes um, and just a number of different elements of this offense and defense just that really came together at the right time. You know, Rasheed Rice steps up. They've been sort of waiting all season for someone to kind of say, hey, look at me, I'm going to be your top wide receiver. Yeah. And they finally got that. And so I think just the timing of everything coming together, um, yeah, I'm, I'm not surprised definitely to have seen that from the Chiefs. I would have been, to be honest, kind of shocked to see them kind of fizzle out. Um, so early in the playoffs. Uh, she's Emily Sadler. She's our Monday regular. We're chatting all things NFL. Her latest uh, wildcard weekend takeaways are up at sportsnet.ca. Sunday brought us two very different games, Emily. Uh, 48-32 is the final between the Packers and the Cowboys, but don't let that uh, 32 points from Dallas fool you. They put up 16 in the fourth quarter, and it was garbage time to Jake Ferguson. Uh, the Cowboys were outmatched, outplayed, uh, Dak Prescott struggled once again, and Aaron Jones, returning to his home state, had a a pretty spectacular game for the Packers. Feels like a, a real crossroads right now for the Dallas Cowboys with Mike McCarthy and Dak Prescott right in the spotlight. Yeah, it was it was one of those games where in the first half you're surprised, right? It's super surprising, like what is going on, and then the second half, it's like we all kind of instantly recovered from our of amnesia realized like oh no we've seen this movie before and like it's really unfortunate to say that about the cowboys but at the same time like we've all seen this movie before they've had these really great regular seasons and they just can't get it done in the playoffs and this was so jarring um you know once again just to see like it wasn't just that the packers came in and had an outstanding game it was that like the cowboys really just they they had no chemistry. It was a very odd sight to see C.D. Lamb and Dak Prescott look looking like they just like they had never even met. Like it was <laughs> they didn't know each weird, other. It was their first time. Yeah, it was such, <laughs> it was such a strange dynamic to be like there is no chemistry here. Like what is going on? Um, and so yeah, I think the question going forward is just where does that leave them? I, I you know you never want to root for someone to lose their job, but I just can't help but think. I can't really see a future where Mike McCarthy isn't fired. I mean, yeah. he's been excellent in the regular season, but if you can't get it done in the playoffs, we know that Jerry Jones has been patient before with head coaches, but I don't see him, you know, letting this one slide. You know, even Jones himself said, like, I'm floored. Like, this is beyond my comprehension. I think everyone was just sort of in shock. Um, another element too is what about Dan Quinn's future, right? He's been one of the hottest head coaching candidates, but does this kind of make anyone rethink? So there's just a lot of questions going forward. I don't know what this means for Dak Prescott. Like it just 
feels like there, there's a there's a culture shift maybe that needs to happen because you can't just kind of try to go back next season with the same group and expect anything different. Uh, on the other side of the ball, it's got to be exciting for Packers fans who, look, the regular season had its ups and downs, but Jordan Love down the stretch was phenomenal. He showed out great in his first playoff action, and now it feels like a young group that, you know, really exceeded a lot of expectations. And you can be excited about, even if this doesn't roll into a Super Bowl or a Super Bowl appearance for the Packers, you've got to feel good about Jordan Love and Romeo Dobbs and Jaden Reed and just how this team has been able to transition away from Aaron Rodgers and into this new era of Packer football. Yeah, uh, absolutely. It's, you know, how how refreshing, right? To see yeah. Green Bay get a really good quarterback again. <laughs> like, Never heard that oh before. How do they keep doing this? It's it's wild, but but yeah, I mean, it is fun to watch. It was fun. To, it's just when you see a team that's so young, and and as we've kind of mentioned before, like they are playing with house money here. Like maybe this run doesn't last a long time. Maybe it does. Who knows? I mean, they were excellent yesterday um but just to see like over the course of this regular season how Jordan Love has kind of introduced himself right and as you pointed out it was a slow start but I think that was kind of similar to the Texans like a good lesson for all of us and just like hey be patient like this is someone who like you know Love is not a rookie but he is a first year starter here and I kind of wish the NFL had the NHL's rookie rules to be honest so I, I want to be able to you know, have Jordan Love in that rookie conversation. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, just to see how this whole offense has just, like, they're all kind of hitting their stride at the same time. And for sure, it makes me really excited already to watch what they can do next year, right? Just to see, like, okay, this is a young group similar to the Texans who are going to all kind of come up together. And we saved uh, the best for last, at least on Sunday's, uh, games, the weekend games, the Lions pull out a one-point victory over the Rams. It was by far, at least in my mind, the most competitive game uh, that we saw over the weekend. Detroit came out strong. Uh, the Rams answered back strong in the second quarter and uh, pick up their first win. I was not alive. I'll admit it. I was not alive last time the Detroit Lions <laughs> won a playoff game. So uh, I imagine it's been a very long ride for a lot of people. Those tears were were real and heartfelt in the stands and uh what a cool story it was the the Matthew Stafford Jared Goff byline that we were talking about heading into this one I mean I know it's a loss for the Rams and they'll be disappointed in that but I mean Puka showed out really well that's a positive for them and I mean how do you not feel good about the Detroit Lions finally you know ridding themselves of these demons and doing it with Jared Goff who was sort of a castaway and I think an afterthought in that whole Matthew Stafford trade. Yeah, it, I I couldn't agree more. Like when you, I mean, when you look back on the trade in 2021, like it was one of those rare cases where like both sides won, right? Like the Rams, yeah. they got their quarterback and they got their Super Bowl. The Lions, they got their picks, and it turns out they got their quarterback as well, right? They got some really key pieces to build around and. That's why they're here right now. And I kind of view yesterday's game in a really similar light. Like, I know Rams fans would disagree with me. Like, this is not a win-win for them. But at the same time, I mean, to see how Pukunakua came out and, you know, after a historic regular season, goes and makes more history yesterday. Um, and just, just for Lions fans to see, you know, 
not only a good game, a good win, but to also be able to see, uh, I don't know. I mean, you're seeing Matthew Stafford come back, and I know that they booed him, and I don't know how I feel about that entirely. <laughs> but at the same time, like, you know, he even himself, like, put up a great effort through some injuries. And so it was just, like, really a full um, – it kind of did like live up to the expectations in terms of the storylines there. And I think the better team won, but I also think there's so much to be excited about if you're a Rams fan. And and that is one of the biggest developments, I think probably of the season, just that we didn't know what to expect from them coming into the regular season. I don't think many people thought they would be a playoff team. So I kind of do think it's a win-win here um, now and going forward. Uh, last but not least, we got a doubleheader today to talk about. Uh, I've kept scrolling as we've chatted. The ridiculous, I can't even believe what I'm seeing in Buffalo. The fans are still piling through feet of snow to get in for this game that starts in about 40 minutes in Buffalo. Uh, the Steelers, you know, really aren't being given much of a chance in this one. I still see Bills minus 10 as the line. I don't know if you feel that, like I'm, I think the Bills are the better team, Emily, but. I wonder if the weather doesn't even out that playing field um, a bit. I don't think Steelers fans um, or, and the Steelers players, I should say, would mind an outdoor game maybe as much as the Miami Dolphins uh, did in KC. I, I wonder if that's not a closer game than we're expecting from some of the books right now. Yeah, I think that's a great point that you raised there. There's definitely not the that obvious um difference between the between the teams and their their home climates and just kind of what they're used to and the style of games that they play and I yeah I I do think we would be obviously talking a very different story if TJ Watt was going to be in the lineup for Pittsburgh um the Steelers are one and ten without Watt which is you know a pretty uh it kind of tells the whole story there but (laughs) you know at the same time these two teams I mean, they're really interesting because they both have kind of momentum on their side. They both had to sprint into the postseason. Um, the Steelers have, I don't know if element of surprise is a, the right term here, but, you know, when you've got Mason Rudolph stepping in and he's been good, he's actually kind of opened up their offense. You know, maybe that does sort of introduce a new element that the Bills um, might not know as well um, in terms of their defense. And, you know, the, obviously the Steelers aren't the only ones dealing with some major injuries, especially on defense too. So I, I think it'll definitely be, um, I mean, I, I, it's hard not to root for the Bills, to be honest, maybe even just because like, hey, their fans just spent the whole day <laughs> shuffling out the stadium. Yeah. But, <laughs> and I think we have seen from Josh Allen, like, you know, he he's kind of built for cold weather. Like, I don't see it really affecting him so much. But, yeah, I mean, depending on just what kind of weather we're talking about here, if, if we are getting um, more heavy snowfall, like, it'll be interesting. I guess it'll kind of come down more to the run game, right, and to that really sort of gritted out, grinded out game. So I guess we'll see. Uh, and last but not least, the vibes from Philly are not good right now as they <laughs> head into this game against Tampa Ooh. Bay. Uh, A.J. Brown won't play. Jalen Hurts got banged up last week. It kind of feels like if you're the Bucks, you've got nothing to lose. You wound up winning your division. You're at home. And here come the Eagles, who we've talked about for like the last month, Emily. You and me have had these conversations of like, what is happening to that defense in Philly? And now their top weapon isn't there on the other side to sort of supplement, you know, supplement some of that defensive pressure. I got to worry about the 11 and 6 Eagles who a lot of people probably had 
as Super Bowl favorites even midway through the season. Yeah, it's really just stunning to see what has happened to them over the last month. Um, and and this game really, you know, I referenced kind of the momentum element maybe for the Steelers and Bills, but this one I think is even more so that steady in momentum where you've got, you know, the Eagles quite literally limping into the playoffs. The Buccaneers are too, right? They have a lot of injuries as well. Baker yeah. Mayfield's banged up. I think he's dealing with a rib injury. But, you know, they've really, you know, I think they've won five of their last six, whereas the Eagles have lost five of their last six. And so there's definitely a real opportunity here for the Buccaneers, which, yeah, I mean, a month ago, <laughs> if I would have said that, you would have been laughing at me right now. would <laughs> be like, mm, no, we're talking about a team that was in the Super Bowl last year. I, I think they're going to be okay. And, and you know, maybe that they sort of finally uh, kind of come to their senses and say, oh, my gosh, you guys, what are we doing here? But, yeah, I'm, I, I don't know how much optimism there is in Philly. And, and I'm just really curious to see what happens there. And, I mean, yeah, if their losing streak continues – What's going to happen in that front office? What's going to happen on that on the sidelines? It's just a lot of different dynamics at play here that we really didn't see coming just a few weeks ago. Uh, we got a ton to watch for today, Emily. Great stuff as always. I really love our chats. Uh, enjoy the football tonight, and we'll uh, talk to you next week. Hey, thanks so much, Logan. Enjoy the game. Bye, Emily Sadler joining us down the Atlas Beach and Sports Bar guest hotline. You can find her on Twitter. At Emmy Sadler, like I said, her latest Wild Card Weekend takeaways up at Sportsnet.ca for your reading pleasure. Uh, only four games in the books. We are about half an hour away from Pittsburgh and Buffalo. The scenes in Buffalo are absolutely wild. If you're not checking out social media right now, um, they've been trying to dig out of that snowstorm all weekend. And it looks like they've got pathways cleared, like the main staircase is clear to the stadium, but there are fans digging through two, three feet of snow to find their seats. It's been ridiculous in Buffalo and looks like it's going to continue for their game this afternoon against the Steelers. And then later tonight at 6.15 kickoff, Eagles in Tampa Bay to take on the Bucks. No A.J. Brown for the Eagles who come in uh, on a bit of a losing streak and could sure use uh, a playoff win to bump up some feelings in Philly. Their defense has been awful uh, Buccaneers 9-8, and eight, and they won the NFC South. They're a little bit banged up as well, uh, as Emily mentioned, but we'll see what happens. We'll break it all down for you on tomorrow's show. We'll take a break. We'll come back on the other side. We're going to jump back to the Calgary Flames conversation next. Uh, Brennan Parker, our pal from Flames TV, was along for the ride uh, on the road trip for the guys with the dad's trip and a couple big wins in Arizona and Las Vegas. We'll see how Parks is feeling. Uh, about the group as they enter a six-game homestand and see if he's got any fun stories from the dad's trip. Brendan Parker kicks off Hour 2 of Sportsnet today next here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.